1: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the MLS Fantasy Insider. Tonight, we continue our best MLS Fantasy 11 of all time discussion. But first, I'd like to start the show tonight with a slightly different intro. As a content creator, I've always felt that it has been important for MLS Fantasy Boss and MLS Fantasy Insider to be products that are accessible to everyone and free from personal ideological bias. However, there have been a few times when we have found ourselves facing situations that required a response, such as our support for the Save the Crew movement and our condemnation of the sexist remarks directed at some of our female guests. We join with others around MLS in the country in hoping and praying for peace and justice for people of all races. We stand with those who choose to peacefully shine a light on the problems of police brutality and corruption, and also those who remind us that not all police are bad. Please be safe. And now, as always, back to the show. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLS Fantasy Boss, and tonight I'm joined by usual co hosts, my partners in fantasy, Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle. Hello, guys. Hello. Oh. Good to be back. Yes, thanks. I know it's good for you to be back to work, and now you're back with us. As always, we're still doing this podcast right now during the suspension, 12th week of suspension, uh, because... Uh, things are starting to reopen from the COVID-19 virus. Uh, Mike is back at work. I think Blaine was... You you never stopped. You were working from home, so...
2: Yeah, I got to work from home the whole time.
1: Uh, as have I, but Mike has uh, gone back to work, so thankful that that places are starting to open. People can start getting back to some normalcy. However, there are things going through the country that I addressed at the beginning of the show uh, that we deal, just wanted to, uh, to mention, to acknowledge. Uh, so sorry if that was a bit more of a somber tone than you're used to, but... Uh, Talked with Mike and Blaine before the show, we felt that it was something that just needed to be said um, at the beginning, guys.
0: Yeah, we just didn't want, you know, just to have a silly conversation about MLS fantasy and not and ha- just act like nothing else was going on. Yeah. You know, this is a time, you know, for us to be silly, and if you're open to having that time, you know, come and join us. Um, but if you know if if it's too much for you right now, we understand. Save this podcast later and come back to it, mm-hmm. and then you can hear our ridiculous arguments later so right um, and they if need be. if you need some relief we're, we're here for you so that's, exactly. that's why we're doing this yeah, yeah exactly. i mean
2: i mean we all understand this is affecting a large portion of the mls cities too and just uh we don't want you guys to think we're not paying attention to what's going on or being uh trying to stay relevant but we do this more as an entertainment and a release thing than as a political thing but we know a lot of our listeners are probably caught up in this and dealing with the fallout one way or the other that we just wanted to make sure everybody knew we kind of had a set, had we do have opinions on it and we are worried about it, but this isn't going to be the forum. We're going to really discuss it. Correct.
1: So that's all for that. Now we're going to get onto the soccer and the ridiculous conversations and discussions that Blaine and Mike have already talked about two bits of Early housekeeping, guys, before we move on to our main midfielder discussion. That's right. For those of you uh, who are catching this show right now, uh, we are three episodes in to our best MLS Fantasy XI-11, however you want to say (laughs) it, of all time what happened you guys just all of a sudden started laughing
0: (laughs) all of a sudden you froze it was like oh no
1: oh no i did i just had something that popped up and said internet connection disrupted oh that's that's gonna be a fun blooper for for the for the youtube people uh Uh, it says
2: it on youtube right in the middle right now your internet connection is unstable
1: that's funny well so you all know that's that's what's happened i don't know why like this is i got a new router everything's been going well i don't know what it's I don't have many internet options where I'm at, so. <laughs> uh, but no, so let me rewind slightly just in case I got garbled a little bit. Uh, we have two bits of housekeeping before we move on to our uh, discussion. Uh, we're three weeks into the best MLS Fantasy eleven XI, whatever you want to say, uh, starting team of all time. Caveat, we're looking at the Modern Fantasy XI. Era, which we are defining as 2012 through 2020, though that is up for some debate if you want to check last week's episode. Actually, not last week's episode. It happened after the episode. I, I mentioned it on Twitter if you think 2012 or 2017 is the best place to start for modern fantasy, but not right now for that discussion. What we are going to talk about is, one, Mike was not with us last week to talk about Defenders, so we're going to give him a very short couple of minutes here-ish to give any final thoughts on on who he thinks uh, should be his top five defenders. I know he gave a uh, 4.0 scrub a spot on, on his mm-hmm. top five list right there, but um, we had a lot of overlaps, but I will give Mike just a, a quick couple of minutes to, to say something about defenders before we move on to uh, the big other news of the day.
0: Okay. Well, first of all, you called on the people to come and chain me. Uh, for not putting in Matt Hedges. Yep. And no one came and shaved me. I didn't uh, even know that it was a thing until I listened to the podcast yesterday. Uh, as I was <laughs> gr- Disappointment! Disappointment! And it's, it's because the people understand that I'm right. And and the thing <laughs> is, and this is the thing that I was thinking about as I was listening to the conversation, is that I, I was kind of approaching it a little bit differently from y'all. Sure. And, and in that way, I left off Matt Hedges because I felt for Defenders, price did matter a little bit. And it okay. mattered in, in the sense of that I would never pick Matt Hedges because pretty much every year, Matt Hedges was the top expensive midfielder. And because he was so consistent at accumulating bonus points, his price never really went down the way a lot of the other defenders would. Most other defenders would have really good games or they kind of go down if they didn't have a clean sheet. Um, But Matt Hedges always seemed to maintain because he had enough bonus points. So overall, that's great. But as far as actual fantasy value, he was never worth, extra three million he usually was to come in that one or two points he would usually give you more a game while it spans out over the course of a whole season didn't make sense week to week it usually made more sense to go with one of his Dallas teammates I like the conversation about Hollingshead there are other teammates that did been mm. happen you know throughout the whole season Um whereas that wasn't the case for Omar Gonzalez Omar Gonzalez was the star for the LA Galaxy um, when he was there and there's was one of the best teams and he was the best defender of that team. Clearly the best defender and um, I think he's probably better than the goalkeeper than any, and the litany of goalkeepers that the LA Galaxy had. So you would always go for Omar Gonzalez because he was the dependable route into your defense. He would get bonus points. Um, there was an off chance he would get a, a header goal in too. That's why I went with Omar. The other one I went with that y'all didn't go over was Jimmy Madronda. Um, for me, Madronda... It epitomizes my uh, defender philosophy, which is you're looking for someone who is cheap, who is out of position, i.e., someone that Ben Bear really screwed up. That's the whole reason why <laughs> I sit down in the beginning <laughs> of the season, snap out who's in like, where did Ben Bear mess up? Because I'm going to get him, I'm, I'm going to get that defender, Fair. I'm going to ride that train for as long as I can, and that's it. So that's why I went with Um if, if if I didn't go with Madrona, I probably would have gone with uh, Chad Marshall. My philosophy was that I only had one of the defenders over because, like for example, like with Opara and Beazler, I would always pick Opara over Beazler just because I usually would have one and usually Opara mm-hmm. was better. That's yeah. why Beazler didn't make it into my top five. Probably would have made it into my top ten. Uh, but that's was a few of my criticisms and defenses um, since y'all were trying to shame me. That's right, we tried. We tried hard.
1: We will not have any, <laughs> any counters, conversations as well. Blaine and I talked last week. We are giving you the final word on defenders, so there it stands, Mike's two cents bam. on defenders. Yeah, bam, there it is. Okay, the other big news of the day that we at least want to comment on before we go on to our top midfielders is the, I don't know, bombshell is the right, right news to come down, mm-hmm. but the... MLS Players Association, the union, is in negotiations with MLS, and they are at a bit of an impasse right now. And I don't just mean an impasse as in, oh, hey, well, we're going to have to keep talking. It's by 12 p.m. tomorrow, today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday... If the players don't agree to what MLS has provided to them, then they are going to be locked out. This is not a walkout. This is not a strike. This is the league locking the players out if they don't agree to... I don't know if it's fair to say demands, or maybe the best thing to say is agree to their version of the CBA. I don't know if... Demands may be too harsh. And... I'll let you guys come before I move on. Go on. Blaine
2: yeah the way i understand it is mls gave a proposal the players union responded with a counter proposal Mm -hmm. and mls has now said we've given you the best line in the sand like we've done we've given you the most favorable deal we can give you given the current situation you either take it or we're done or we don't play and that's a scary prospect for fans because um, this is a cba year i know there's a big part of that is they pushed the cba vote or they've extended the current cba through this year and they will it'll come up for renewal next year instead of this year like it was supposed to um yeah i i'm not excited about this this is gonna be bad and we're potentially looking at a long-term delay coming out of this what good mike
0: I mean, I was just going to say, you know, the first thing is that these are negotiations. And sometimes these arbitrary deadlines that I can't move any past. Um, negotiations is one of those things that I deal with a lot in, in my line of work uh, in terms of negotiating settlements. Um, a lot of these arbitrary deadlines, you, you get up to, you know, face the facts and they don't actually come true. You know, someone um, budges. So th- there is a grain of salt that I give to MLS. Um, but I think in general, I think we're all just kind of frustrated. Um, a lockout would be absolutely devastating. We had talked you know, weeks back about trying to get back early to be part of the non-conversation use this as an opportunity to grow the league. Um, Bundesliga is already playing. I'm you know, reading you know, weekends full of Bundesliga tweets. MLS is not part of that conversation. The Premier League is coming back. Everyone else is coming back. MLS needs to find a way to do it. I don't care if they lose some money. Um, you will lose more money long term if you do not come back uh, or if you lock out for the year. Um, it's, it's an absolute PR disaster um, so, so far. I, I don't think anyone is really signing on the owners. I mean, the, the fact is like there was an agreement to terms of you know the CBA and even though there wasn't an official vote, um, I think we all knew that it was just a formality and using that formality to try to um, leverage some additional terms is not something that's going to sit well and it's not something that's going to be s- supported. Uh, and the hard truth about MLS is as much as, you know, we care about these leagues, we have other soccer options and we have other sports options and people will go to those other options if MLS is not around. So, you know, you have the opportunity to do this tournament. That's not going to be much longer. If, if we keep delaying, it's, it's going to be a, a severe loss. So hopefully cooler heads prevail hopefully this is bluffing tactics and you know it's one o'clock tomorrow i'm like <laughs> glad that was over that was such a dumb time <laughs> weird 24 hours um and, and hopefully that's all it is and you know um we're, we, we can move on to actually talking about this tournament and and how crazy some of the aspects of this tournament are and you know go from there
1: and I think NWSL is also going to be coming back, so it's there. I think they've already yeah, I mean, started. NWSL or, has. Yeah, they're, they're right there. They, if they scheduled already. the tournament in yeah.
0: June, I think they might be one of the first leagues to come back. Yeah,
1: think, yeah. Right yeah. yeah. So, what, what blows my mind about this is, it seems like it's two main main points. Uh, though Attila tweeted out something else about about benefits, which I thought was like with like health benefits, that I wasn't quite as up about the details. But yeah, I there's. I they asked the players to take basically a a pay cut as part of this and i think a lot of us i've seen some comments we get it the revenue is going to be down the league asking players to to kind of share some of that pain not unreasonable i know that a lot of the guys don't make a lot even at some of the starting salaries of, of some of the the newer younger guys uh, don't make a whole lot but um the players, the the league asked for 8.75% pay cut across the board for all the players, and the players said that they would do 7.5, which is so close, which mm-hmm. is so close. I mean, maybe they could go up another quarter of percentage, or maybe MLS could come down a couple, of, like meet him at 7.75, something like that. But like that seemed to be a line in the sand where they're like, no, and it seems so close that that's wild, and then Mike will have to, refresh refresh me on the Latin with this because I can't get the words out but the the clause that MLS has to force majeure yes the force majeure to basically if if five teams have a 25 percent drop in attendance they can just back out the whole thing just like say we're done with all this which seems ridiculous to just throw that in there i think that's what's gotten most people because with all of these new precautions and with covid 19 with all of the reservations that people have and potentially seeing more cases in the fall how could you not expect to have some drop in attendance with with fans it seems like that's almost going to happen and it's it's just ridiculous some of the couple of these little things so it's it's wild and then i do hope that mls is the one that that blinks with this because it's it's just crazy it's just crazy and i agree with everything you said mike this this pr is horrible because it's completely coming across as the league is trying to take advantage of a health pandemic yeah and it is not looking good so that's the big news we're a little heated about it wanted to at least mention it because it could have a direct impact on fantasy as in we may not get anything back any of those options that we talked about or maybe we just need to move on to something new perhaps we need to have mls fantasy collective bargaining we could see how that looks like
0: you think we've brought out ideas already if we have another (laughs) three (laughs) months of lockout (laughs) who boy (laughs) we will start reading a queen's peril by ek johnson oh my gosh
1: oh my gosh we'll we'll read we'll read uh bobby warshaw's book that's that's what will happen we'll start going through that so all right that's that's the the pseudo serious stuff now time to get into the fun we are talking about the best fantasy team of all time eh, the modern era of fantasy 2012 to 2020 uh, double caveat, actually more like 2013 because we don't have stats 2012. If you have stats for 2012, send them to me, please. So, just like last week, guys, when I look at this chart, and for those of you who don't know, because I don't remember if I mentioned it last week, I chart out some of the top players over the past years. I try to assign each player or some of the common players a color so I can try to map their, their point generation over those handful of years throughout the throughout the the area that we're looking at and just like defenders if not maybe more so this is just like a shotgun blast of of midfielders and sometimes it makes you remember like wow this guy who i thought was so great like just just underlines the recency bias of of this guy who i just know in my mind is is a fantastic fantasy player and i look back and i'm like oh well he was in the top 10 once and then kind of hmm well interesting so it's this is wild this was another very tough one for me maybe tougher than defenders uh i don't know maybe tougher than defenders but this one this one was crazy so i'm really looking forward to what you guys have to say just like last week we'll start out with our top 10 blaine and then we're gonna go down to eight and then we'll go down to five. And that's... Blade, and that's,
0: Blade just left when he said he had to start first. <laughs> he did. <He's>
1: like, <laughs> he, did. No. he just went, went rogue last week. We'll just, just like in the garbage. I'm not doing this. He did. Uh, the other <laughs> difficult thing about about <laughs> midfielders is... We, of course, uh, as Michael mentioned, the Ben Bear effect, we had some guys who have switched. and Not just Ben. Uh, people being mislabeled, but also players changing positions. We have players who have moved from midfielders to defenders, from midfielders to forwards, and vice versa. So uh, we kind of had to make a call amongst ourselves for where we wanted to seed those guys. Example for me, last week, uh, is a defender. I know that he's on uh he's on this list sometimes or sorry Zussi is a midfielder I know that he's been a defender recently uh but uh when I think of Graham Zussi he's a midfielder in my mind even though he's played defense the last few years so I look at Zussi as a defender Uh, but no spoilers right there uh Mike since you weren't here with us last week I will let you kick things off with your top 10 uh, midfielders and feel free to share if you would like how you came to your decision
0: Yeah, so first of all, I mean, pretty much, you know, the Don Garber tactic just worked. Blaine just left, and all of a sudden, you know, I get stuck with with going first. (laughs) Maybe maybe it will work. I I don't know. Um, All right, so I I kind of approached it. I was trying to look at, you know, um, I racked my brain. Like, okay, who are the players, like, I know consistently? um, And then, like, I wrote down, I think I have, like, 15, 16 names, like, just off the top of my head uh, and looked. Um, It was so tough because a lot of the midfielders I had, were like really really good for two years, and yeah. so it's like which two years? Um, so obviously, if you were great for more than two years, you got um, put in put put in higher. Um, if you were only great for like a season or two, kind of depended like what how long you've been in MLS and, and some other factors. Okay. Um, for example, one of the players who didn't make that my list was Kaká. Uh, had a really good two year stretch. Um, third year was okay, but not great. But I just didn't think that was enough. He wasn't dominant in that year to to really make the list. Um, so <clears throat> my top ten, um, and I'll try to do this in um, somewhat chronological order. Uh, Landon Donovan, um, obviously U.S. men's national great, uh, has the MVP trophy named after him. Um, was fantasy you know gold anytime the LA Galaxy had a good matchup. Um, he was in there Uh, Javier Jorales you know Jorales really good stalwart for RSL Um, even was you know we I think we picked him a few weeks when he was in Dallas although that ended pretty quick (laughs) if you remember right Um, he was uh, incredible Benny Failhaber um, I'm probably not I'm not going to wax poetically because I have Sporting Kansas City here on on this podcast is going to do that for me so I'll let him wax poetic on Benny Failhaber uh, Sasha Clushton. Um, I don't want to talk g- good things about any player who played for the Red Bulls. So I'm not going to, uh, Lee win, um, really consistent over a long number of years. I think it's like five years in the top, You if it was top 10 or top 15, whenever I looked it up. Um, he was really good. Mauro Diaz was uh, a top five player. I, I believe with FC Dallas was just really, really good. Um, we'll see where he goes because injuries are an issue with his career. Um, I have, I have, uh, let's see, uh, Diego Valeri next, uh, chronologically. Um, he's really good for a long time. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything. He's really good. He's been pretty dominant. He was in our, uh, Mount Rushmore discussion for a reason. I probably don't need to rehash too much of that. Um, Ignacio Piatti. um, he made Montreal impact fantasy relevant by himself, and um, was frequently the only player on that team that we would pick despite, you know, them having a the double game week, he was just that good. Um, Nicholas Ladero, I think really highly since Ladero has come in in 2016, um, he's been one of the top midfielders. I think he's been top five um, every time, um, even of the year he came in, I think if you did it by a per game um, standard, I think he would be in the top five, or he may be number one if he did it by that standard um and then let's see if i um i have also maxi morales um he's, he's he has a really good two-year stretch where he's one of the top three midfielders and then his third year is is not too bad um i could probably be talked out with that but it's basically that third year which pushed him over the edge over some of the other names i was considering, which i'll just throw out uh i looked at Almiron; if he'd had a third year he'd have been on this list um i have of the you know poor alice um And then I I had Michael Bradley just because of, you know, where he stood as a defensive midfielder. Um, But he just didn't have the overall stats to really push him into the top 10. Um, So I'm going to actually argue that we don't need a defensive midfielder. Then one last qualification. Um, I am not considering Giovinko a midfielder. I think we're going to consider him as a four. And that was the big one that we talked about. I think he was only one year as a midfielder and by golly, would that, that an amazing year? Um, because you could double up with him and uh Josie Altidore. but um, I'm gonna, I think he's really a forward, he's played more of a forward position, so I'm gonna leave him as a forward and we'll talk about it next week.
1: I like it, that's a pretty good list. There's so many names on here, yeah. Uh, your D mids sets an interesting discussion. Um, we'll have that real quick before you talk, Blaine. I agree. When I look at this list, uh, we always talk about how in the past. Uh, which may have been different now. We haven't had a double game week to really see how this played out. But in the past, D-mids were better on double game weeks because they help you hedge your bets, but they just didn't really usually put up the points. If I had to pick a D-mid, it would probably be Dax McCarty. Um, he usually kind of blurred that line. He did get some offense from time to time or at least help with with some of that transition uh to get him into the top 10 top 20 conversation in a few years but in general pretty solidly we're looking at at more the offensive guys here so uh, I I'm okay with not having I didn't feel unlike last week when I felt the need to represent wingbacks for defenders I don't feel the need to represent d mids in a fantasy best 11 because of how the conversation usually goes with D-mids, of I wish there was a way to make D-mids more important. So,
0: and there's just so many amazing fantasy um, relevant offensive midfielders. Yeah, it's just hard to give one of the few spots to a D-mid when, uh, I mean, you're talking about like a hundred points last this season. Yeah, and it's it's just it's just
1: not. Sure. Blaine, your top ten.
2: Yeah, so I think Mike and I overlapped with eight this week.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, just to piggyback kind of on what Mike said, we kind of have to look at different differences here and who's played a longer amount of time and played at a high level. Um, I really feel like this one is, midfield is a spot that's been the most affected at times by the... By the Beckham rule, by the designated player rule, Hmm. um, we get, you may have some homegrown guys that come up, and Graham Zussi is one of those first guys on the list. He came out of the draft system, came in, played really well, was tearing it up, but as more and more teams started spending on designated players, he faded a little bit in the overall standings, and then he got transferred to a different position. And there, there's plenty of names out there in midfielders that were that way, that were good guys, played here for a long time, either got old or just got relegated to being a second-tier fantasy player because of all the big names coming in. And so it was, it's been a lot harder to find a long stretch where a single midfielder has been on top of the heat throughout that whole thing. So anybody who's been near the top of the heat for an extended period of time through this has made my list. And I know we've talked about it. few. few as I was coming up, I think I've got more names, not in my top 10 on my list. than I do in my top 10, <laughs> because there, there were so many names. There were so many names to cover
1: top 10 overlooked.
2: Yeah. Like uh, Brad Davis really did start this Brad fantasy Davis. era, uh, but he got old a little faster. Will Johnson was always putting up solid mm-hmm. numbers, but again, he got overshadowed by um, big, bigger signings that came through. Justin Miriam's the same way. Um, mm-hmm, usually mm-hmm. had pretty consistent numbers. Um, Maro Diaz did not make my top 10, but he's another guy that could have been right there. I went with somebody else from that same style of class. And then uh, Darlington Nagby has to be mentioned here. If we're going to look at yeah. long-term players, he's always been on that cusp of being a top 20 player every year. I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me. I'm, He's always flirted with that top 20 spot when, with, with,
1: So did I, or did you all?
2: My list that are kind of the short-term wonders. Um, Like Atuesta at LAFC could easily turn into being one of these guys we look at, but again, just smaller body of work. Um, Alessandrini, Kaká, and Dempsey also make this spot. Like, they had a small body of work. It's pretty good, but it's just not enough to displace some of these other guys. So I have a few guys that are those one hit wonders or those the short term wonders that have really played strong. And I think they've been the best at what they do. And then I've got mostly the guys that are there. So my top 10 does include Almirón, which I think Mike's did not. And then I have Benny. And then I'm just going in close to alphabetical order. Uh, Frederico Higuain, uh beat out Mara Diaz for me for that long term player that's probably got overshadowed but he's been so fantasy reliable on the weeks we've needed him and then i have javi mo in there as well uh Lee Win, ladero uh, maxi morales is here and then piatti and valeri all make my list for my top 10.
1: yeah you bring us an interesting point so higuain does not make my list higuain has never been a top 10 player he's only been a top 20 player once and uh, that was in 2017. He was actually categorized as a forward his first year in the league, though he's always played more like that number 10 spot. And he was definitely more valuable, I think, fantasy-wise as a forward because he had those same sort of characteristics as Robbie Keane as a forward who was willing to pass. And so he was able to get a wider selection. Wider selection. He was just able to generate bo- bonus points better than than some of the other forwards, which helped make him relevant there. But after that, I when you say he produced when we needed him to me there's also an element of fantasy frustration in that is because he also didn't produce when you hoped he would there were just those times when like Valerie sorry not that Higuain would go off or maybe it was marim this week or maybe it was ethan finlay for some reason who happened to score a goal and that Higuain just became a sporadic player so i wouldn't have called him the guy who came through we needed him um it was almost like for me barrios because barrios was a guy that mm. i might have picked him for my team a couple of times a year and i swear that every time i picked him he would actually do okay for me but every other time it, i just never wanted him but just it, it maybe wasn't for me just it seemed like a couple times a year barrios would go off and if you okay. had him, great. Higuain was definitely better than that. But there were also those times where it was like, well, shoot. Merrim got a brace this week. And Higuain just went out there and, and got a yellow and left. What the heck happened? So
2: Yeah. Um, and I may not have had the bad experiences with Higuain. <laughs> I'm not remembering a ton of those. Just I put him in there, banked on him heavy, and got screwed because I went with Higuain over somebody else. I seem to only grab him on the – week, or more often grab him on the weeks that he, that he did well than the weeks he had. Yeah. He gave me a two-point week or a yellow and out early. Like, I just – I don't remember too many of those in my fantasy playing. I have other players that have done that to me.
1: Yeah, Diaz is another great shout-out. I mean, he he did so well for two years making top ten, but he had some injury concerns before, and so that just really – hit him right there and then he got traded away donovan brings up that conversation we had well donovan and almiron bring up that same conversation that we had last week which is what started us down that path of is 2012 the best date to start this this era from because donovan was dominant leading up through 2014 when he when he left almiron was top 20 and 17 the highest scoring midfielder ever in the game as of 2018 and to this day and then he was traded away so he left at the top just such a small sample size but i agree with you blaine that it's if i think fantasy midfielders it's hard for almiron not to be one of the first names that i think of and for me that does get him a spot on my list uh, and I have to think the legacy of Donovan earns him a spot as well. So there's two of mine. Uh, a lot of overlap, again, with me uh, in no particular order. Uh, I had Albert Rusnak as, as one of mine, and he's really been also a newer player, has a little bit of a downtick with him. But again, Rusnak for me was one of those players which was still very much, hey, do I want an RSL player? If yes, are they at home? If yes, Albert Rusnak. So, <laughs> like it was just like the automatic first person you're going to. Is it a potential RSL Rusnak? Well, at least it's Rusnak. So, so for me that made him at least a top ten m- midfielder for me. Um, Javier Morales again, a guy who was only here for the first three years of what we have stats for, but uh, the guy was quality the the grandfather dp signing for for coming out of south america paved the way for guys like valeri who's also on my list this time and was a top five player the last three years that uh, the, that we have stats for so uh, javier morales is easily right here forever Joralis definitely um i have sasha question on this list i I don't have the same aversion that that mike had tough one again he was so great in 15 16 and 17 and then once he left going down to orlando just hasn't been able to crack back in so a lot of a lot of fall off from him Uh, but he was still a a dominant midfielder i think people think of for for fantasy I also have Lee Wynn. Uh, he just had this great four-year run for the majority of the years that we're looking at. He was a top-ten player. I, I mean, I got to say, he's he's definitely somebody who's on my bubble that you guys could talk me out of because he has had a, a, a just fall-off as well. But I have Lee Wynn on mine. Ladero has been great. I have Piotti. Again, he was, he was always fantastic as a great midfielder. Uh, Almiron Valeri, I originally had Pozuelo on this list, but after listening to to you, Blaine, um, I think that I'm going to swap Pozuelo with Benny Fellhaber. And that is just because Benny has so much uh, history with the game, and he's he's been a fairly reliable player to go to for fantasy points on multiple teams. So... Um, he was a guy that that you could easily slot in but uh, that's that's my 10 Uh, some other names you guys had talked hadn't talked about um i mean sebastian latou was another one early guy that that's had some success early on and then retired but he was usually a a pretty good one to go to this was the, the very end of tim cahill as well was a guy who was a top 10 player back in 2013 um let's see here Clint Dempsey is a name that none of us have uttered tonight. Clint Dempsey was a top 10 player in 14, did not make the top 20 in 2015, and then became a forward in 2016. So I don't know if you guys, how do you think of Clint Dempsey? Is he a forward? or Is he a midfielder to you? I think he's a forward to me.
2: I look at him both ways. Cause he kind of did that hybrid role for the national team. And that's still the way I see it. Um, I almost prefer him being a midfielder in fantasy because I thought it would have made him a little more viable, a little more often. Mm-hmm. But no, I did I did mention his name. Reed. He was in my short term guys oh, okay. with Altrini and Kaká. Just they had such a standout time while they were here, but it was so short lived. And as a midfielder, one year that's just that's not enough to make the top ten.
1: That uh, that must have been when I had a, a low internet connection. <laughs> I must have missed that one um Dax McCarty I already mentioned probably the only d-mid that would be worth considering uh poor Alice Pedro Morales
2: uh, Pedro Morales was on my was on one of my initial drafts um he was so powerful for that short period with Vancouver and it was when you didn't have anybody else from Vancouver to pick mm-hmm. um it just when you've got that one guy who is the guy for your team
1: how many years has there ever been more than one guy from Vancouver that you're looking at? Okay, so like Parker and Waston, but...
2: Yeah, yeah, there for a while, Vancouver's defense was yeah. way up there and you had multiple options there.
0: There's like a few oh, weeks a... where Alfonso Davies was listed as an. <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> <It was> not...
1: <laughs> See, then it was like Davies. Who's your second uh, Vancouver pick? Davies again. What? You can't do that. It's all i want all right yeah good names uh, we have some overlaps this is this is good uh but i mean this list is wild kind of surprised you didn't mention at least johnny russell in some in some way there uh kevin Molino was another guy who's who's done well kellen rowe uh so many names here and just looking back it's it's just wild uh nagel zardas was a was a midfielder for a little bit so um it's it's no just mention
0: stevie gerrard so, yeah
1: no no one mentioned the one of the worst dp signings of all time for mls uh but there we go all right now the first cut and maybe this is going to be tough uh cutting from 10 down to eight so drop two. Second chance playing to do this right this time so who are two players that you cut from your top 10 to take us down to eight
2: um This actually wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be when I got down to it, and the numbers kind of gave it to me. Uh, Higuain drops off for me here. Um, Just numbers don't back him up too much. I may have more fond memories, but he was in that category of longtime player, pretty consistent, Uh, but he's not one of your top prospects at all times. And the other guy that's dropping out here is Lee Wen. He had a lights-out run, but he's faded a lot since then, and even his lights-out run wasn't enough to make him the top midfielder for that whole thing. There's a couple other names that I thought were more reliable over his good run, and so that's why he's dropping here.
1: Fair. Mike?
0: Um, for me, mine too. Uh, I'm going to drop out Max Morales. Um, I'd had him in, but I don't know if he has the longevity um, compared to a lot of the other names um, in my top eight. Um, and, and the the next one was a little tougher, but I, I dropped out Mauro Diaz. Um, mm. Just a lot of injuries. Um, he was also very frequently a rotation risk, mm-hmm. um, which impacted fantasy picks. Um, and, and the other thing, which which always hurt him is that there were always other Dallas offensive minds that you would consider because of rotation risks and, mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Um, so to me, that takes him a little bit down, and I don't think it has the numbers. Um, specifically over Lee Wynn, I think Lee Wynn has demonstrated consistency, at least in the early part of this period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blaine is right that he has tailed off, but I think it's still enough to keep him in my top eight
1: right now. Yeah, fair. Uh, for me, I take off Albert Rusnak as, as the first one. Um, well, he is often a go-to player. He's he's not often given the consistent numbers that we want. And uh, again, he's only good half the season when you're hoping that it's RSL at home. So, uh, I th- still, I think it's top ten worthy, not not top eight for me. And then the second guy for me, uh, this was a little bit tough. I mean, it it is Lee Win. Um, he he is solid four years of being in the top ten. Uh, is is nothing to uh, to ignore but the other guys who i have above him in my top five and my top eight uh, have tended to perform better than him in those same years and i still think if you get a short list of just the best mls defenders that lee is isn't one of the guys who immediately jumps to your mind and when we do the final part of this show part five i guess which we're going to look at the raw numbers and points per 90 and little things like that that he he may end up being back up there uh and that's just people overlooking some of those domestic options and in favor of the shiny international guy coming in but uh for me immediately there's some other guys who i put above lee Wynn. um it's it was it was tough it was tough because my other option was potentially piotti and um that that may sound crazy but i i just do he Wynn did better most of the years over piati so um that was on the boat but i do feel like piati still is a name that jumps out more of you guys like yes that's the midfielder that i want to go for so for me russ and, and lee win don't make my top eight leaves me with uh, donovan javier morales question ladero piati Failhaber, amiron and valeri in no particular order Ooh, any arguments? Are we feeling pretty good so far?
0: No, I mean I think the only disagreement we had was whether Lee Wynn made the top eight. Yeah, Yeah, and and Mike, and I can see I can see it both ways. I can see it both ways. i and Mm -hmm. I don't. Which I mean, it's not. I guess we'll see if he makes the top five.
2: Yeah, Mike, and I I can't argue against keeping Lee win given the two you dropped either. I mean, you've got a valid case for that. It's how we pick. It's how we pick the top ten and the top eight, and. Yeah, I had Lee win up ahead of both of the guys you dropped, so I mean, no arguments here.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I picked Lee Wynn a lot. I mean, I he was I remember in, in those years when he was hot and he was definitely a player that fancy players are going to, so. All right, top 5. So here is the deep cut. Blaine. Take your list down to your top 5.
2: Oh, man. The first thing I had to do when I came to top five was I had to cut two names that I really, really like from my list.
1: So um, real quick, I'll give the option again this week. Do you want to just list your top five, or do you want us to each do our top one and then do like our two, three, and four, and then our bench?
2: I was going to give you the three guys I dropped here and okay. then read off my top okay. five, and then we can get into the top five. Okay, players.
1: yeah. So just yeah, just give me who you dropped, who your top five is, and then we'll rank them first The bench after that. fair. And, yep
2: and I'm keeping these two guys together because I feel like they're both the same, um, at this point. Um, and that's Almiron and Maxi Morales both get dropped here. Um, the body of work that these two guys have put up is outstanding. I mean, they are, they are consistent fantasy hitters and guys that while they're playing, you want them on your team. If you can get them, especially if they have that good matchup even when they didn't have a good matchup, they were still fantasy viable for you. Um, but the body of work there is just enough smaller than the other guys that I, I have a hard time keeping them around after this point. Uh, it, not to diminish anything they've done so far. It's just the circumstances of this list. Um, and Maxi Morales, if you talk to me in five years, he may be one of these top five guys if he keeps producing as he has so far. Yeah,
1: he might. He like, probably should be in my top ten.
2: Like, it's just, and with these two guys, these were the short term guys that I picked over everybody else that's come through. And both of these guys beat out Landon Donovan for my short for my short term spots on this list. Donovan was good early, but the league was different. These guys are good late, and the league is has got so much more quality in it now to be a standout among your peers here I feel like is a bigger accomplishment and then the third guy I'm dropping out of my top 8 to get down to 5 is Sasha Question: I've got an obvious Red Bulls bias Um, he had 3 great years I didn't capitalize on those 3 great years as much as most of the fantasy managers will have and I'm a little burned by that still but that's my own fault But he went to Orlando and was supposed to be a cornerstone of that team and did next to nothing. And his three years are good enough to give him a top eight spot. He was that dominant, and he's played long enough to be relevant in this conversation. And if he had gone to Orlando and produced like he did at Red Bull, he could be considered for the number one spot if he had that – type of longevity but he didn't so he's out it's fair and and that leaves my top five as uh benny uh chavimo ladero piatti and valeri
1: all right mike your top five
0: all right so the ones i dropped um i also dropped lee win here um I, I, you know, he, I think he was good for a period of years, but he wasn't dominant um, the way that a lot of the people who did make my top five were. So even though he's been very good, very consistently, um, because he lacked that dominance, um, I didn't. He didn't make the top five. Um, I also dropped Sasha Kleshin. Um He did have three good years, which put him above uh, the years against Orlando or, or kind of Obama. Um, and even in the years that he was really good, I think he had like one really good year. But the other years we just. like okay in, in the field um and then landon donovan it's it's really just he's at the tail end of his career for the period that we're talking about he's only two years um that we're talking about and so you know if i'm not going to give all for his two years in here I, I don't think i can advance landon any, any further uh, as much as he means to the league although well, technically he did have that like one weird two month season but he wasn't
1: really <laughs> and we don't he have stats like, for 12 but i'm pretty sure he'd probably been a top 10 guy in 2012 yeah
0: i mean look Landon Donovan, great for n- naming babies and MLS MVP <laughs> trophies, but not necessarily great for, 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 for this list. Um, so uh, those are the three I cut. That leaves, I think, actually the same list of five as Blaine. Uh, Valeria, Ladero, Duralis, Piotti, and Phil
1: Okay. Comes over to me um, and... Uh some similarities some similarities <laughs> i guess this is pretty good uh so i drop question at this time uh, kind of the same reason for you blaine he had that great middle year but then when he went over to orlando uh just didn't did not work out for him so i i drop question at this point uh i also drop benny at this point um i mean he's uh, it was it was really tough. It was really tough to drop Benny at this point. And some of that is because I just don't know if he's always that... F- I mean, he's definitely in the top 10. He's definitely a guy who's probably even in the top six. So he might have been my sixth guy right here. But but I did drop Benny because I just think there's some other guys before him. And then the the big tough decision I had... This is made even tougher about you talking about Maxi Morales because now I'm completely rethinking this right here. But... Um I dropped Almiron at this point for in favor of Piotti. So Piotti is on my my list, but I'm sitting here hard thinking if maybe it should be Maxi Morales um because of of what his potential is. Uh, otherwise I have Javier Morales, I have Ladero, I have I have Valeri. I also kept Landon Donovan, um, because I I did think that his just legacy for being a player and and just an automatic on your team as fantasy in 12, 13 and 14, it was like, I have Landon Donovan. This was still the years of when we did not have unlimited transfers. And so you got Donovan, you just kept him. That was, that was just something because of his consistent production. Uh, Same thing with, with some of these other guys with Valeri and Javier Morales, that that's, that's the tough thing that uh, I see, like, three or four good years there. So, uh, but that, this was so tough. Oh, my gosh, this was so <laughs> tough. We have a lot of overlap here, so I'm interested in seeing what our top five is going to be. But, yes, yeah, so I have, no, again, no particular order, Donovan, Javier Morales, Ladero, Piotti, and Valeri. Tough times.
0: So, so really, the only difference between us is whether Donovan makes it in over Phil Hopper.
1: Correct. Yeah. Correct, you guys both had Benny. And I get it. I mean, I'm looking at the chart right here and I see the the gray that I just randomly assigned to Benny Failhaber, and I mean he's he's there and he's and he's putting up uh solid points. But um
2: You're just biased because of the name. Possibly. <laughs>
1: possibly. Um I mean the other the other stuff if I if I made a change, I I potentially would would actually probably add uh, Maxi Morales, and the reason for that would be um, Piotti was the, the best player in 2016. Morales came in in 2017. Uh, he made the top 20. Piotti definitely dropped down. And then when Piotti came back in 2018, Maxi Morales was finishing higher than him in the points, but you also had Tider. And Tider has been a top 10 player as well these last couple of years. And he and Piotti shared so much that he almost ate into some of the production of Piotti, or the even that maybe the pessimistic way of looking at it they played off of each other and so they made each other better when they were there but there was sometimes that discussion which usually was i'm going to go with Piotti," but it was also i don't have enough money maybe i'll go with Titer," and you mm-hmm. had an, a good shot at getting points i mean in 2018 when they were both in the top 10 Titer was 30 points behind Piotti, so not a lot became a huge in fantasy though of course we're only winning by a few points um i i mean i, I could potentially if we actually had a full 2020 looking at this to see how maxi did in 2020 i could see him bumping piotti off of my list the the real one i guess that's in jeopardy that you have to ask is is javier morales um but it's it's just a different era with different scoring and in different format but javier morales was just so much that player. And for those of you who came in after 2015 really seeing RSL Javier Morales. I mean, he was a guy that you put him on your team and you left him. And that was it. One of those few players that you just were like, I'm going to have this guy the whole season unless he's on a bye and I get to do a wild card because it's you it was just consistent. And even with him being at the front end of our date range here, I just i just feel like he's such a staple fantasy player for me that i can't not have him the points may knock him out with those few that smaller sample size but he's just just so iconic there for me
0: i, I want to mention something that we haven't mentioned um in, in terms of for, for landon donovan um which is one of the issues with donovan in the beginning of his season which was that you know he was great but he also missed a lot of time for u.s men's national team
1: game. true no true
0: um and and this was at the time where you only had one wild card week so it was kind of a bigger deal you know missing because then you'd have to pop him in and out um whereas you know benny fellhaber was kind of on the cusp of the u.s men's national team but you know would only infrequently make it um which was a a point—it's probably pretty sore with Blaine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much we want to go into that, but I mean, I, I've, as far as for fantasy purposes, obviously it's better if a player is not having international duty, especially if you're under a limited transfer system, because those players miss games. And if you bring landed in, sure, yeah, you're probably also bringing them out for sure. Um, All right. Well,
1: let's f- finish this thing up. Uh, let's get your we'll start with you, Blaine. Uh, your number one guy your three I would imagine second field players and then your bench guy
2: yeah um start off with number one I think this is going to end up being a consensus knowing this group um it's Diego Valeri I don't think any midfielder has more top five finishes or top three finishes than Valeri I don't know that he's other than injury seasons. I don't know that he's ever really finished outside the top 10 or the top 15. Correct. Like, like consistency and yeah, consistency and longevity is the name of the game in fantasy. Um, nobody's been more consistent for as long as Valeri. And that puts him at number one without, without question, without a doubt. I, there was no other name that even popped up that could challenge for this spot.
1: Yeah. He's actually not finished outside of the top five over, yeah. over six seasons. And the only season that he did not place in the top 20 was due to entry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't put up numbers like that and not get number one in this game. Um, the rest of the, the next three were really, really tough. Um, I have memories of all of them. I'm going to kind of hinge on longevity here, to a degree, and some of it's going to be personal preference. But um, I have Ignacio Piatti as my number two. Oh. Um, I I covered Montreal for a while, so I'm a little biased there. But Piatti was one of those guys in my draft leagues that was always flirting around my team, and if I could get him, I would. Um, just one of those guys I always wanted to have around and good, consistent performances, even on a bad team. And I think that's what kind of helped him out in my rankings is he was that go-to guy on a bad team a few years. I mean, a few years, Montreal was really good. But a few of those years, they were really bad. But he was always that guy you could turn to on a bad team. Easy inclusion in a double game week. But even when he wasn't having a double game week, he was one of those guys – you knew everything was going through him and that really bumped him up on my ratings. Cause that to me, when a guy's, everything's going through one guy that helps their bonus points that helps their scoring. And so that's why he gets my number two. Uh, Number three is going to be Benny. Um, Too many good years in a row early on a little bit of a Homer pull here, but really, really consistent, for a long enough time that I put him there and just, just fun character. Um, and number four is Ladero. And if we do this again in five years, I fully expect Ladero to potentially be challenging for that number one spot. I just think he came in a little bit later into the league. His numbers have been outstanding, um, but there have been a few injury issues here and there. And, I, I kind of view him as a guy that's had to share his load a little bit. He does have some other names like Jordan Morris around him. Uh, Rui Diaz has been there. Dempsey was there with him for a little bit. It just—I feel like he's had to share some of his production. And I've gotten burned on weeks where he hasn't played as well. Um, and that's just hit. Or, that's just hit and miss. That's not a consistent thing. But I seem to remember getting burned by him a few times whereas these other guys really didn't burn me quite so bad. I mean, Piatti has his moments, but that's to be expected when you're going with a bad team too. And then number five is Javimo. Um, I had to keep him – I had to get him in the top five, but that short early thing, but I don't want to take away anything that he did. I mean, he was as dominant in the fantasy game as Almiron was in his best year, Like and he did it for three years straight in it's just his career ended way too soon i we debated this last week a little bit reed um off camera was it is it 2012 or 2017 that really that you switch eras and i kind of proposed that i think 2017 and on is going to be mls fantasy 4.0 i think it blends in with 3.0 really well which we're talking about um if we were looking at the pre-2017 stats um Javimo would be a lot higher um a little bit smaller size to work with and he was dominant for a much bigger portion of that um but yeah I just as as good as he was he just didn't do it long enough in the system for me
0: all what Blaine right. doesn't realize is that if MLS does lock out, we're going to do this again, just 2017 and on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the what if, the
1: the mirror the mirror MLS fantasy universe. All right, Mike. All
0: right, five. so I will do five going up to number one. Um, I have Benny Fellhopper at number five. Um, I, I think you know he was really good for a while, but I don't think he was as dominant as some of the other players on here. Um, next up is Piotti. Um, I know he shared some spotlight with Titer and, and Drogba, but even on those years, he was absolutely dependable. Um, and there was no way you weren't going to have him on your team. Um, so he's, he's done so much despite having um, been on a bad team. So he was really fantasy um, gold because, you know, if Montreal had a decent matchup, you were going to go um, with him and him alone. Um, number three, I have Duralis, um, you know, I think three years of of dominance, um, is, 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 still really, really high. Um, number two is Ladero. Uh, when he came in, he was gangbusters. Um, even since then, even though every now and then he has an off game, that's pretty much true for everyone. He's still reliably consistent. Um, and as long as Seattle has, you know, pretty much warm bodies around him, which they didn't have for a period last year. But other than that, he, he's going to get assists, he's going to get passing bonus attempts, uh, and he's probably going to get some goals. Uh, and the number one is, is Diego Polari for me. Um, I mean, he's pretty much been dominant throughout the entire period that we're talking about as one of the top five midfielders. Uh, really, when you look at the numbers for, for this era, there really isn't any conversation. There's just such a wide gap between Diego Valeri and the field um, for, for this particular uh, analysis.
1: Yeah, we can call it a clean sweep. Uh, for me, Diego Valeri is uh, the number one player on the Fantasy XI. And for the same reason, yeah, Mike, when when this all comes to a close, Diego Valeri is going to be the highest scoring fantasy player from 2013 through 2019, um, caveat 2020. Just he's he's been dominant in – yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, he's just been so dominant, so there's no way that he – he may have not been on our Mount Rushmore, but he is one of the number one names, if not the number one name for uh, best 11 for fantasy, hands down. So, Diego Larry is my number one. Number two is, uh, for me, Javier Morales. For what I said before, just such a dominant must-have player for your team uh, for those last three three of his last four years when he was still with rsl those last three years with rsl um and i believe 2012 would likely probably been the same kind of top 10 finish i don't have those stats but um just such a dominant player right there number three for me is uh, nico ladero and he's he's just been a beast ever since he joined and uh, he destroyed people in 2017 just as good in, in 18 and the same in 19 so um the guys the guys have been doing great as that teams had some some shifts and changes number four starting into the bubble right here uh this is piotti for me so i'm with you again uh and mike there there was some options with players when you were looking at montreal Dragba and tighter right there but piotti was definitely a player that you often would want to have in your team um and And I try to recognize that right here. And that means for me, the last name, Landon Donovan. Uh, Some of this is, like you were saying, Mike, could be some risk with national duty that would make him not always available. Uh, This honoring a little bit that he was the the player that left the earliest of my top five. So there's not as much of him in this era. He's more maybe in that Fantasy 2.0 era. But there's just it's just still when you talk about midfielders for me that landon donovan comes to mind for for that uh fantasy marquee that that he would be there as a recognizable name but um is in the bench spot for me at the end so maybe that's somebody else who i would hard have to hard consider uh, swapping for maxi morales in the future so there you have it for us uh Valeri, Javier Morales, Ladero, Piotti, Donovan for myself. Mike goes with Valeri, Ladero, Javier Morales, Piotti, and Benny. And then Blaine goes for Valeri, Piotti, Benny, Ladero, and Javier Morales. And that is how our fantasy midfielders shape up. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about forwards. We'll be uh, picking three forwards. So we'll probably go with... Oh, I don't know if we'll go with top ten again, but uh, we'll at least do top five and then cut it down to three with fours to keep our fantasy line. Three that's... Is
0: brutal. <laughs> we'll
1: see. Maybe three I'll do a brutal. Twitter and see what happens. Uh, I did do a mm. Twitter Twitter poll, Blaine, about 2012 and 2017. I know you did, and the poll was in favor of 2012. So uh, that's that's what the people said. But we'll we can have an episode where we discuss the merits of. Oh, and I'm not debating merits. that
2: 2012 is a. Uh is a shift in a in an era change i'm just saying that when we get down to it and see how some of these other players that came in 2017 might be another break year where we start where we get a new oh sure
1: sure yeah you're saying 12 to 16 and then 17 and on is 4.0 we could see maybe no it it makes sense
2: and there's some unlimited transfers is a
1: significant difference yeah
2: yeah and there's some overlap there i know there's some older fantasy players that started before 2012 and they'll have better memories of Juralis and Donovan and guys that kind of came over strong from the previous system so I mean there's always overlap when you do these era switches
1: pretty sure I just got called old you all heard it heard it right here just got called old
2: I think you're the oldest one on the podcast though. I,
1: I've got the most gray so that's 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 for sure that's for sure uh, well thank you so much everyone for joining us tonight like I said next week we'll be wrapping up our forwards and then the week after that We'll see what fantasy has in store, but we're going to wrap up this best eleven series uh, by actually looking at the numbers, and I may even send a message out to Ben Bear and Weeby or somebody and see. I've been trying to get Weeby to talk about this on Extra Time Radio, so if you all are listening, I know there's usually a couple hundred downloads right now. If you're listening and and you're not responding to give Mike crap about Matt Hedges, at least give What's Weeby on? crap for not talking about his. Uh, best fantasy team on extra time radio. So get those guys at least, at least give we crap, please. It'll be fun. Uh, but so no, we'll be back next week talking about forwards, uh, final comments tonight, guys, Mike.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm already a- agonizing over. <laughs> Cause like, I look like to me, like there's four. I'm just like, how could you not have them? And I don't know how I'm gonna pick between. Them. <laughs> Point <laughs> flip. Oh,
2: Blaine uh, yeah n- nothing really to say right now this was a midfielders was tough I've got, I, I've got lots of fond memories and I don't know I, my draft years come into play here it was all I could do not to put Ethan Finley on my list um, I know much. he had that one stellar year mm-hmm. and it was the year I won the playoff in my draft league because I had uh, Benny Piotti and Finley in the same year and I don't know, Reed. you've got your stats. I think Finley finished top three. Four. In 2015. Four? And where did Benny and Piatti finish that year? Uh,
1: Benny finished two, and Piotti finished 12.
2: 12, yeah. But I had all three of them in my team, and that was just one of those highlights that I had. I had to work hard to get trades to get those guys.
1: That was the year that uh, Sebastian Javinko came in as a midfielder before he was quickly moved to a forward, which I believe – Yeah. We will have him categorized as a forward in the future.
2: And if I'm remembering right, I believe that was also the year that Kyle Lauren came on strong as a cheap option too.
1: He did not make the top 20, so I can't comment on that. Okay. But there we go. Uh, As for myself, thank you so much, everyone, for listening tonight. Uh, I know there's a lot going on, so we do all hope that you stay safe, stay healthy at home, stay healthy at work. Whatever's going on, where you were there, we're all in this together and we're here with the show to help give you a little bit of release from all of the seriousness that's going on. So um, thank you so much again and good luck.